Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome to episode number 321 of Linux in the Hampshire. This is our Weekender Edition, so we're going to tell you about upcoming contests, special events, new Linux distributions, or maybe some old, interesting Linux distributions, and other things that might be of interest for you for the next couple of weekends to do in the amateur radio and open source world, or maybe to use Linux in your ham shack. And that's what we're all about here. So I guess we better jump right into it. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And since Bill is the last person to talk, we're going to make him the first person to talk and tell us about the contests in amateur radio that are coming up over the next fortnight. Yeah, we got lots of contests to talk about here. Uh, starting this weekend, we have the uh, North America QSO party. Uh, it's running from 1800 Zulu on January 18th to 0559 Zulu, January 19th. Uh, bands are 160 through 10, no work. And this is the single sideband edition of the NAQP. Uh, the exchange is pretty simple. It's your name and your state or province or country. Uh, pretty straightforward. It's a fun little contest. An interesting component of this contest is the team competition. You may wish to form a team with fellow NAQP participants. If so, your team must consist of two to five single operator stations whose individual scores are combined to produce a team score. Although clubs and other groups having more than five members may form a multiple teams, there are no distance or meeting requirements for a team entry. Teams must be registered prior to the start of the contest, and you can do this sort of, you know, pretty much right up into the contest start. Should, <laughs> so, should we have like a Linux in the Hamshack team? I think we should. I'm already we on should. a team. <laughs> oh, you're oh team. well, oh, so far. Screw you, Bill. Right. I know, I know, I know. He I never know. wants to be on I anything know. we do. <clears throat> Yeah, we always are our little contest club always puts a couple teams together just for fun. Um <laughs> we put all the part timers in one on one team and all the, the serious people in another team and sometimes the part timers do a little bit better. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but um yeah, so I I just did the the single the the CQ uh, the CW one version of this this past weekend and it was great. So it's it's a fun contest and it's short. It's only a, only a twelve hour contest. So uh you know it's not a huge commitment, it's just Saturday, so Get on a Saturday and and have a blast. Uh, another contest we have this weekend is the AWRL January VHF contest. Always a popular one. It starts uh, the 1900 Zulu uh, January 18th to uh, 0359 Zulu on January 20th. And this is six meters and up and all modes are acceptable. The exchange there is just your four character grid square. Um, yeah, this is twice a year. Big VHF contest. You have this one and then you have the September one. I believe is the other one. <laughs> Or no, the June VHF contest, the June one. So yeah, 
Yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Enjoy. You'll have lots of rovers out there. So that's a good time to collect up those grid squares that, uh, that you need and, uh, will probably be, uh, you know, rare and available. Another one this weekend is the worked all Britain 1.8 megahertz phone and CW contest. It runs from 1900 Zulu to 2300 Zulu on January 18th. And it's 160 meters only, of course, and it's single sideband and CW. And this is all part of the worked all Britain, uh, 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 sprints that we were talking about. I think we talked about the 80 meter one that they had, uh, uh, back in 2019. And this is just a continuation of that same series. So the exchange here for British Isles is, uh, RS, your single strength plus uh, serial number plus your WAB square. And if you're outside, that is just your, uh, signal strength and serial number and country. So pretty simple. And you can find the links to that in the show notes. Uh, next weekend is also a very busy one because we have the big CQ Worldwide 160 meter CW contest and it runs from 2200 Zulu January 24th to 2200 Zulu January 26th. It's 160 only. So get your, uh, you know, top band antennas all set up. And of course it's CW. So, uh, us stations, North American stations will use your RST and your state and province. Uh, DX stations will use their RST and CQ zone. Uh, links to that are in the show note. We also have, uh, for your Riddy pleasure, we have the Bart G Riddy Sprint and it runs 1200 Zulu on January 25th to 1200 Zulu on January 26th. Bands are 80 through 10. No work. Riddy is the mode. That's not FT8. It's Riddy. And, uh, the serial number is the exchange. So you don't have to worry about sending a signal report, but you'll probably see a lot of 5NN or 599. So it's okay. You can, you can send the extra bits. It's not going to kill anybody. Uh, we have a couple of contests over in, uh, Europe as well to go along with that for the other modes. We have the REF contest. It's CW. It's 60600 Zulu on January 25th to 1800 Zulu January 26th. It's 80 through 10, no work CW, and it's the French one. So you're going to have the RST. If you're in France, you're going to be RST in department slash prefix. If you're not French or not in France, <laughs> RST and serial number. Uh, and Belgium's not going to be left behind here because they have their UBA DX contest single sideband running as well that weekend. And it runs from 1300 Zulu on January 25th to 1300 Zulu, January 26th, at 80 through 10, no work, single sideband. And for Belgium stations, it's RST serial number and province. And for non-Belgium, it's going to be RST and serial number. Pretty easy. And then we have the big one. The winter field day is coming. It's uh, running from uh, the 1900 Zulu on January 25th to 1900 Zulu on January 26th. It is uh, 160 through 10, no work. Modes are, as described here, any mode that can faithfully transmit the exchange intact without a con- conversion table. So this would include modes like CW, sideband, AM, FM, D-Star, C4FM, DMR, packet, PSK, single uh, slow scan TV, RIDI, Olivia, satellite, etc., Note that FT8 2.0 can not be used because it has a conversion table. So, ha. <laughs> don't this don't really use used it. Specifically, so you cannot use FT8. It's yeah. yeah. So it's pretty much anything except for anything out of J- WSJTX. <laughs> so, yeah. Have fun with that. Anyways, your exchange is, your WFT exchange will be a combination of your class and category and your ARRL or RAC section as described below. 
Um, obviously that means inside the uh, document for the, <laughs> for, not in the actual, right. Show so notes go, go to the show notes. We're not going to describe it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and then the notes here is of course, winter field day uh, association. WFDA is a dedicated group of amateur radio operators who believe that emergency communications in a winter environment is just as important as the preparations and practice that is done each summer, but with some additional unique operational concerns. And of course, you guys have some news about this as well. Yes, we do. We do. Um, the the SMARC Southern Missouri Amateur Radio Club, in conjunction with us, will be hosting a Winter Field Day. It'll be here at the K five TUX slash W five M O O Q T H. We'll be set up here with, I believe, three stations. We've been told maybe four, maybe four stations. Yeah. Uh, we'll be operating on all modes for the entire twelve hour or twenty four hour period. And we'll also have uh, probably an educational station or at least an educational area. Food. And we're going to have food and, and drink. Prizes. And it will be indoors. Who's so, calling you going to be operating? Uh, W0EB, I think, is where we're going to be operating. Ah. Uh, that's the club call. So There's also prizes for the most contacts. So. Right. There'll be local prizes provided by the club for people who want to operate. We encourage everyone to come out and at least learn about it, if not actually get your hands on a radio and work some winter field day. So it should be fun. You can look us up on URZ and HamQTH and all the places of where it's going to be. And, of course, you know, we'll be we'll be set up and ready to go, you know, several hours early, but we'll be operating the whole time. And we'll be looking for people who want to uh you know, bang on keys or talk and on SSB. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope I hope that we have a lot of people show up. It's right now. It's looking yeah. Yeah, we need we need people. So out. if you're anywhere yeah. near Southern Missouri, yeah, come out. <laughs> yeah, we are we are 30 minutes from Kansas, Arkansas, or Oklahoma state line, halfway between Joplin and Springfield. So yep. So if you want to hike this way, please come join us. Yep, we we'll, we will have a good time. It'll be a lot of fun. And we'll be doing a lot of operating and maybe we'll just, we'll just take command of Winterfield Day. Who knows? Yeah. Cheryl, Cheryl's been told she's doing a lot of cooking for it. Yeah. We'll see. By Smark. <laughs> Cheryl's in charge of cooking. I was like, well, Imagine I'm, a, I'm a what? <laughs> yeah. So, so now know. you're going to be on the radio the whole time. You can't cook. <laughs> that, that, well, that's the thing. They're like, you know, we, we definitely, you and Rusty really well together. We want you working. Oh, and yeah, you definitely la- want to work. Some, and so. last night, they're like, okay, so you're in charge of cooking, and you've got to do lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch. And I'm, I'm calling nuts to that. No. Yeah, and I was like, and <laughs> I was like um, if you want Negative me to work, <laughs> how am I supposed to do all this cooking? And they're like, yeah, you're not, we'll figure it out. You're not doing so. that. You might do a little cooking, but the pattern is full, so no. Everybody bring a crock pot. That's have right. something well, in it. Plug it that's, in. That's what I told them. I was like, I can throw some stuff in a crock pot and plug it in. And they're like, well, we want biscuits and gravy for breakfast. So I was like, yeah, that can be well, maybe you should in go buy pot. some. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it will be good no matter what. We will have food. We will have drink. We will have a good time. And we will be operating the entirety of Winterfield Day. So come out and join us if you don't have any other plans. Yes, definitely. All right. We have some special event stations coming up as well over the next couple of weeks. We have Quartz Fest 2020. And I think we actually mentioned Quartz Fest last year. So we did. That's cool. Um, this is going to be operating from January 19th through January 25th, 0700 to 1800 Zulu each day. The call sign for Quartz Fest is Whiskey 7 Quebec. Frequencies will be on or about 7275-14285-213952815. And Quartz Fest 2020 is celebrating its 25th anniversary. It's an ARRL specialty convention being held 
near Quartzsite, Arizona in the United States. You've been to Quartzsite. It's basically a large stretch of sand with some RVs. <laughs> and a few cactus and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no other ham fest in the world brings together in one gathering so much innovation in mobile antenna systems, mobile ham shacks, recreational vehicles, portable and mobile MCOM systems, off-the-grid living, alternative energy, and radio education. I bet you can set up one hell of a sturba curtain out there. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, Quartz Fest, Whiskey 7 Quebec. Check it out. And then there's also the Shuttle Columbia Special Event Station operating from... I've seen conflicting information about this, so just do your due diligence. It's either February 1st and 2nd or 2nd and 3rd, uh, 1,500 Zulu to 2,300 Zulu each day. Call sign will be Kilo 5 Charlie, and frequencies will be on or about 7174, 7.22, 14174, or 14.26. Uh, notes on this, remembering the loss of the Space Shuttle Columbia on February 1st, 2003, the astronauts who lost their lives that day, and the hundreds of hams who came to Nagadochus to assist in the search for and recovery of the shuttle debris. Operation will be primarily on 20 and 40 meters. All contacts will be confirmed via logbook of the world, and paper QSL requests must include a self-addressed stamped envelope. And they will be operated by the Nagadochus Amateur Radio Club. Link, course, to this event will be in the show notes. So if you want a special event commemoration QSL from that, give it a try. Um, according to the Nacogdoches it's second and third. page, it is the first, and first and second, second. right? Yes. But the AWRL has it as first and second. So, if you look it up under the AWRL uh, special event calendar, it says first and second. So, Nacogdoches says and first and second. I understand they do. Okay, well, if AWRL <laughs> and Nacogdoches say the same thing, what difference does it no, make? No, AWRL says first and second. Nacogdoches, their webpage says second. first and second. Oh, I'm looking then, at it. Then, then the AWRL says the other one. Sorry. Okay. It's one, I, I, I don't have it in front of me. How that, much have you drank? Jeez. Yeah, no joke. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you said second and third, but it doesn't no, matter. No, I said first and second. Okay. So it says the first through the third, and they might not be there the third. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay, sure. They may not? or may not be there on the third. So. Just keep your radio on one of those frequencies and see what happens. So Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Now I got to check out the ARRL because I found something for last year that said second and third. Well, as I but said, not for this year. Well, I looked it up using their calendar, and it said whatever the whatever the Nagadochus one said, it said the other thing. So. Yeah, the AWRL says the February second and third. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling. Oh, but because... that's for uh, 2019, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was 2019. Uh, okay, but it's uh, all right. Well, so there they messed up. So obviously, I, I don't even see it on this year's. I, I did a search from. 2020 to 2020 I, I use their actual calendar search so something's messed up yeah. but anyway yeah anyway that's probably, outside of our normal window for this this particular show so it's more than 14 days out <laughs> it is more than 14 days out however there's going to be a lot of information in this episode that's more than 14 days out because apparently nothing happens in january so well, of course not winter field day happens in <laughs> well winter fail day does but let's just wait till we get down to the open source events <laughs> we're going to be talking about stuff that happens in march so, oh, <laughs> well, it's stuff that people should be preparing for, though. So, anyway, moving on, we have an announcement, and that announcement is sort of a pre-announcement to let people know that if they have $5 or so kicking around in their wallets, they need to stash it away somewhere and keep it handy 
because we will be setting up and announcing our GoFundMe campaign for Hamvention 2020 very soon. It will be starting probably around the 1st of February, which is, I think, where we started every year. And we will be looking for our standard um, goal of $1,000, which is half of our expenses for Hamvention. And, of course, Hamvention starts fishing for booth rent about that time. So... Oh no, they're already fishing. Oh well, okay, we yeah. So they're the early day. this year. <laughs> yeah, we got a letter the other day. So, so anyway, we'll we'll be starting that up soon. So if you have some money, you could set aside to help us out get to Hamvention, so we can see you all again in May this year. We would appreciate it. Just know that that's coming up, and we will of course make a bigger announcement when it actually goes live. So moving on from that, we have the Linux and the Hamshack Ham Radio Challenge for this week. What? No, I was going to put one in there, for, but it's tomorrow, so it's too soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, no one's going to hear it. So. That's okay. I just looked up on the AWRL website. Yeah. It says, Shuttle Columbia Special Event, February 1st, February 2nd, 1500 Zulu, 2300 Zulu. That's on the AWRL website. So apparently you got last year. You must have been 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't, but it's okay. Yeah, it says 2-1-2020. So. That's fine. So we know it's February 1st and 2nd. We got yeah. it. We know, they we corrected know for it because sure. they heard it. They were listening to us record this yeah. live, and they yeah, just right. fixed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so all contacts will be confirmed via logbook of the world. So. All right. Cool. So now we know. February 1st and 2nd. Uh, anyway, so the Linux and the Hamshack Ham Radio Challenge is, because why not, Use Grid Tracker to work at least 10 states on any band with FT8 and see Done. how easy it is. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, it takes like uh, 20 minutes tops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If that, if that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had somebody tell me to F off today on FT8. Not not in those words. Why? <laughs> of course. Um, because wow. they were, it was, a, it was a Canadian station who was CQing South Africa. Mm-hmm. And of course, I needed that grid, so I sent him a thing, and he, and he sent back. Well, you can't tell if it was him, but it was him. <laughs> <laughs> he sent back, not SA. <laughs> so, okay. like, oh, you did that. You called somebody that was not looking for you. I oh. did. These conversations, these FTA contacts take like. Two 25 seconds. seconds it's like take some time out of your day dude because i guarantee you you can talk to me way sooner than you're getting south africa right. so anyway <laughs> yeah but you may have interfered with his contact with i'm south sure africa. i did yeah maybe he had an opening and you were like clobbering all the stations he was listening to <laughs> yeah the entire past man i was wiping out all of south africa <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> turn that agc all the way up and <laughs> Echoing all over the pass band. I uh, know that people won't hear this through. Yeah, they won't. They won't get this unless if they're listening right now. But John Amadeo, actually, who is the producer of Last Man Standing, texted me about 30 minutes ago. He's like, please make sure to mention the DMR activation on Talk Group US 3100 live from the stage uh, will be happening tomorrow around 2345 UTC. DMR? Yeah. Isn't yeah. that station sponsored by Icom? Hasn't he got the word? Jeez, up here. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ray Novak's going to be rolling in there. and uh... <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> Something I saw before said so the control op will be Michael AF6FB, who runs the Southern California-based Papa Repeater System DMR net. So Of course. <laughs> well, Icom can get over themselves. <laughs> well, didn't, wasn't Icom the one that brought 
John to Hamvention this year? That, that, that's the point. DMR is not an ICOM technology. Well, right. I, <laughs> no, I know that. <laughs> DMR is not an American or Japanese manufacturer technology at all. So, ah, can't believe they're using DMR. That's okay. I bet you'll contact them. Maybe. Breaker, breaker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving on. Let's talk about this weekend in open source. And I put in here, and I knew Bill was going to run with it. <laughs> a distribution to try. I said, let's try Fedora Core 31. And I called it the new sexy because Bill is just enamored with Fedora Core 31. So tell us all about it. It's amazing. <laughs> That's all I can It say. is the new sexy. No, it's the new sexy. Yeah, I like that. That was really good. No, uh, you know, yeah, I've been uh, spouting Fedora Core 31 for a while now because. I've been on uh, Fedora Core here since 29, I guess. Uh, you know, not too long, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with it. I have uh, two two stations running uh, 31, and I also have my Raspberry Pi running uh, Fedora Server uh, 31 as well. And uh, that's the first time I've actually used Fedora Core Server at all, which is pretty amazing as well. I didn't know they had all the fancy uh, web console and everything else that they have to go with it nowadays. So that, that makes it really slick and easy to set things up on it. Uh, completely headless. Uh, but anyway, yeah, let's just go over the, uh, the additions here that you can find on the website. Uh, um, most of you are familiar with Fedora core. Obviously it's the, uh, what, what became of red hat when red hat became red hat enterprise Linux. And, uh, Fedora became the, uh, the open source and the, uh, basically the community, uh, derivative of that product. And we have today, we have Fedora Workstation, which is a polished and easy to use operating system for laptop and desktop computers with a complete set of tools for developers and making makers of all kinds. We also have the Fedora server, which is a powerful, flexible, OS that includes the best and latest data center technologies, including SC Linux, which boggles my mind sometimes because <laughs> it like wants to lock the thing down. Uh, but I guess that's great because it's really secure and everything else. Uh, and it puts you in control of all your infrastructure and services. And again, like I say, it has a great, uh, uh, operational console that you can operate through the web browser. Just go to your, uh, your device on port 9090. And you can see all the lovely goodness that is actually there. You get all kinds of status monitors and uh, uh, service information, service logs. You can look at the logs. I don't even have to tail my logs anymore. It's great. <laughs> I, I really, really, really like it. Uh, merging additions that they have are Fedora Core OS, which is an automatically updating minimal container-focused operating system. They have the Fedora Silver Blue, which is a mutable desktop operating system aimed at good support for container-focused workflows. And they have Fedora IoT, which provides a trusted open source platform for us as a strong foundation for IoT ecosystems. And they have many, many, many other uh, spins, as they call them, and flavors that are out there that are available from third-party sources, as well as you can get, uh, if you want the, the absolute rolling release, they have that as well. You can uh, switch to uh, that particular ride and uh, be right on top of all the uh, ready-to-release software that has not yet been pushed into the repo. But uh, I do have to say that it is constantly being updated. It, uh, <laughs> I'm just on the regular workstation version, and yeah, it, it pushes out a lot of updates. Now, just recently, there was an issue with uh, the uh, 548 kernel that came out. And I know some people had some uh, random issues with it, which was kind of surprising. A lot of people were surprised that it actually got uh, pushed out in the state that it was because <laughs> it ended up inflicting more damage than it was worth. 
Um, I did not run into that any problem on either of my two machines. So I really can't say that it's horrible, but like if you had a specific system that was impacted by that, um, it's easy to roll your uh, kernel back and you can wait for the next release and pin that, uh, and go forward on the, the next release after the 548. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. It runs really, really flawlessly here. Um, I have both the Mac mini and the, uh, the Dell precision running it. Like I say, and the Raspberry Pi 3B Plus is running it as well. I have not upgraded to the desktop or the workstation version on my Raspberry Pi 4, but I'm eventually going to try that out and uh, see how that operates over there. But I'm real impressed with the performance of the server running on the uh, the Pi 3B Plus. It uh, it is probably the fastest I've seen anything run on there. So uh, I'm I'm quite impressed with the uh, the optimizations they've done on that. All right, very good. I know you have been using it for a while. We probably have to put together something where we talk about using, uh, or, or you need to put together a Fedora build of the LHS yeah. distro. Yeah, I definitely want to want to start looking into that. I've I've already started looking into. It. I just haven't uh, uh, started building uh, the VMs to uh, start building that uh, that that disk, the ISO image. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'll work on that in the next few, uh, well, next couple months here, and uh, maybe we'll have that available. As uh, something you can get at uh, Hamvention, we'll 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 see if uh, we can get that together, and uh, yeah, we'll probably figure out what we're doing for Hamvention as that gets closer. Maybe by then we can just throw out the last eleven years and be entirely Fedora based. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're only going to show Grid Tracker while we're there anyway, so it's be the only thing on the screens. Yeah, there's nothing else on the computers anymore. It's just Grid Tracker. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be more than that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I can assure you, Grid Tracker will definitely be there because it's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very good. So Fedora Core Thirty One, a link, of course, to Fedora will be in the show notes. It's not like you can't Google and find it. it. It's it's out there. So, all right. Coming up in the open source world, there's some events, but none of these events are like really soon, except for Fosdem. That that's reasonably soon. But I wanted you know to put in a few things here that are a little bit further out so people can start getting prepared for them because one of them is a very big open source event that you should be preparing for probably now if you're going to go there. But we'll start with FOSDEM, FOSDEM 20, which is from February 1 through 2, 2020. I know that directly interferes with the K5C uh, special event station, <laughs> but no, one, no one's going to take me up on that. <laughs> Now, now that we've determined that it's actually the first and second, so they're in Belgium. Who cares? <laughs> anyway, FOSDEM is in Brussels, Belgium, as Bill has already mentioned. And what FOSDEM is, is a free and non-conversional event organized by the community for the community. The goal is to provide free and open source software developers and communities a place to get in touch with other developers and projects, get informed about the latest developments in the free software world, attend interesting talks and presentations on relevant topics, and promote the development and benefits of free software and open source solutions. So if you're interested in any of that and you have the ways and means to get to Belgium, or you happen to live near there, check out FOSDEM 20. I think they said this was like the... I don't know if this is the 20th year, but they've been around a long time. So it's a very popular unconference over there in Central Europe. So check it out. Uh, on the 23rd through the 26th of 2020, we have the O'Reilly Software Architecture Conference, which is going to be in New York, New York. And what this is, is the O'Reilly Software Architecture Conference is designed to provide uh, the necessary professional training 
that software architects and aspiring software architects need to succeed. A unique event, it covers the full scope of a software architect's job from IT to leadership and business skills. It also provides a forum for networking and hearing what other professionals have learned in real-world experiences. And, of course, you can go to the O'Reilly site and find that. But a direct link to the conference will be in the show notes. And then this one's a ways out. But if you want to go to the biggest open source conference in the country, you should probably start planning for it now. It's scale, scale 18X, March 5th through the 8th of 2020 in Pasadena, California. It expects to host 150 exhibitors along with nearly 130 sessions, tutorials, and special events. It's the largest community-run open source and free software conference in North America. It's held annually in the greater Los Angeles area. And you can present by submitting a proposal for a session via our call for papers or their call for papers. You can also sponsor. They appreciate sponsorship and exhibitor opportunities are available for commercial and nonprofits alike. Feel free to get involved. If you're interested in helping to plan and or volunteer for scale 18X, get in touch by sending this, sending them an email. And all that information will, of course, be on the scale website, a link to which is in the show notes. I think Bill should set up there for our Linux and Hampshire. <laughs> it's only thirteen hundred miles from Billings. We've been well, offered, that's closer for you. We've been offered free no, residency. No, it's actually like twenty four hundred for us. I think. Yeah, Elon offers us free residency there if we want to go, but we got to get there. That's yeah, <laughs> let's see how far it is from. Uh, it's twelve hundred and thirty miles for Bill, sixteen hundred and seventy three for us. So it's a little closer for Bill. Yeah, yeah not much closer. He's not, he's not going. So. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, he can yeah, he can yeah. do it. He could drive. He drove to Hamvention. Well, if we were going there, we <laughs> like would an drive. Idiot. So. Yeah. Was, uh, <sighs> uh, yeah. I really would love to go to scale. I just uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would too. But maybe, I don't see maybe next year. We'll see. I mean, we keep we keep getting pestered to go to self, and we can't even go there. So we used to go to self. I know we used to go to self, but that was also like a fourteen-hour drive. It so. sure is. South Carolina is not close. Well, actually, it's North Carolina now, but it's still not close. Not close. No. <laughs> All right. So moving on, we have the Linux in the Hamshack Open Source Challenge for this week or this fortnight, which is Google or find in some other way a trending open source topic or technology and learn something about it even if it's not relevant to your field or your life and bill and i actually both did this earlier today (laughs) so absolutely but we'll have to do it again because that was issued before the challenge so now we have to learn something else (sighs) i guess i can go f and google it (laughs) exactly uh fng.com all right so don't even look that up i have no idea what it is it's probably some like accounting firm or something anyway. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well fng means something completely different so. <laughs> uh naval architects and marine engineers okay yeah <laughs> makes sense sure why not freed and goldman limited anyway yeah so go learn something just learn something for the sake of learning that's that's the whole point of that challenge so all right moving on we're down to the good stuff we're into hedonism and we're going to get some sweets this time in hedonism it's actually going to be kind of all sweet all the way through but we're going to start with sweet food and cheryl's going to tell us all about it yeah this week um i'm going to feature margarita cupcakes russ has had these once or twice before i believe 
but uh, this week, Wednesday the 15th, is actually my birthday. So on Tuesday the 14th, I'm, which of course we're recording this ahead of time, but it's already passed. Um, I'm hosting a craft class and I'm fixing dinner for it. So the margarita cupcakes will be combined with Mexican lasagna, which has been featured in the early parts of the hedonism stuff, along with the Mexican cornbread. Um, so, the margarita cupcakes, you need some margarita mix, some tequila, some Grand Marnier, a white cake mix, some egg whites, some vegetable oil, some lime zest, and you're going to top those with a lime buttercream that's got butter, powdered sugar, lime juice, lime zest, salt, a few drops of of green food coloring, and some small lion slices for garnish or some little pipettes of tequila. Um, and that will be, you know, a very yummy dessert to go with any sort of Cinco de Mayo or Mexican dinner or whatever you're fixing. So, or so, just whatever. Or just whatever. So, do you like the margarita cupcakes? Yeah, they're excellent. Okay. And I like the idea of pipettes of tequila to go with them. That, that sounds like the way to go, not the lime, lime slices. Screw that. Well, you know, you could do that. Well, that's true. You could do both, and you can have a little lime and a little uh, salt on the wrist and whatever. I, well, and, no, I usually sprinkle salt on the icing. So Yeah, right. Yeah, And I have pipettes, so I could do a little pipettes of tequila. Cool. So, tequila. Yeah. Well, you're not going to tell us how to make it, or people are going to have to go look? They're going to have to go look at the show notes. It's it's pretty it's pretty long. Yeah, they're, they're pretty so. extensive. So. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. So if you want to try out some very good cupcakes that tastes like margaritas you should check that out and who doesn't like a margarita yeah i'm not a fan aaron says you could have the cupcakes with jello shots made with the leftover ingredients <laughs> <laughs> there you go well okay there's that too <laughs> are there leftover ingredients mm, well there's te- there is going to be like leftover tequila leftover limes so Sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what kind of tequila whatever tequila you want now, what you, kind of tequila are you using? Oh, well, um, probably Cuervo. I don't know what we've got in there. Probably Cuervo. No, we have uh, Lunazul. Oh, that's, yeah, Lunazul. So. Nah, yep. Lunazul is pretty good. Although I may just use the, there's still some of the pre-mixed tequila stuff in there, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah, That's Cuervo, just, so. Yeah, that's Cuervo. I may just go ahead and use that up and, you know. Cuervo is crapo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Lunazols. Need traditional. If you're going to do Jose Cuervo, do traditional. Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't do Cuervo around here. What is the wind? It's that's from Bill you. lighting his nope, cigar. Nope, that's from you guys. Because I'm uh, here in my my headset. No, <laughs> it wasn't here. Yeah, it came from you. <laughs> it was no. in your board. <laughs> were, you, were you breathing heavy? <laughs> no, not that heavy. It's, <laughs> it, it sounded like a thunderstorm happening somewhere. So that's weird. Yeah. No, that was thought, definitely for me, though. I thought Bill was, like, right up against the microphone lighting his cigar or something. It was, no. yeah, a cigar lighter. In your mixer board. Interesting. Hmm. Well, don't hear it anymore. So, anyway. Loose connection. <laughs> no, no, no. Please don't say that. Yeah. That involves him <laughs> ripping his office apart. <laughs> so. All right. So, moving on, we're going to down to my drink corner. And tonight, I'm going to be talking about Tomatin Dualcus. Highland single malt scotch and scotch, 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 damn it. Um, the reason I am talking about this is because we picked up a bottle of it at Walmart the other day for $22. And Woot. it's I really it was 29. No, it's 22. It's 29. Okay. 
which is uh, hard to come by a single malt scotch for 22 bucks. So I figured we'd take a stab at it and see how it is. Uh, Tomatin Distillery was established in 1897, but they have a long history of doing illicit distilling <gasps> in Scotland. Scotland! Back to the 1500s, I believe. So, uh, but they were, they were established illegally in 1897. Uh, in the isolated and idyllic setting of Tomatin, However, there wasn't a local workforce. The local inhabitants were scattered shepherds and cattle drovers. The company began a project of construction to accommodate its workforce. Since that time, the distillery has been at the heart of the community and the community at the heart of the distillery. This legacy has continued, and Tomatin has remained one of the few distilleries to provide a home for its dedicated craftsmen. Time in bourbon barrels and Virginia oak casks brings a light sweetness to the Tomatin legacy. Uh, Dualcus and legacy are the same thing um, it's just that what? it's not virginia either did i say virginia you said virginia oh sorry oak. virgin oak sorry not virginia oak it might be from virginia i don't know but it's virgin oak they're from missouri <laughs> shush <laughs> <laughs> time in bourbon barrels and virgin oak cast brings a light sweetness to the tomatin legacy and as i was saying legacy and dualcus are the same thing it's just a different labeling so this my bottle says Dualcus, and if you look, probably because it's old, and that's why I got it cheap. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Aged>. but if, <laughs> yeah, but if you see Tomatin Legacy, it's the same thing that we're talking about. Um, and it's uh, according to Tomatin, it says we boast aromas of vanilla, marshmallow, pineapple, and lemon, and on the palate, gentle flavors of candy, pine, lemon sherbet, apples, and sponge cake. Emerge ahead of a light, clean finish. And I have to say, I did did not get some of those notes, but I will tell you what I did get. (laughs) Uh, So the details on this are, it's made of barley, because it's a single malt scotch. (laughs) Uh, The ABV on it is 43%, which is 86% uh, proof, which is nice because it's not the base proof for very little money. They didn't cheap out by going with 40 proof or 40%. Um. It's actually higher than that, which is nice because you get a little more flavor out of it. It is a Highland single malt. The color on it is very, very light gold in color because, as we have already argued about, (laughs) it's aged in virgin oak and ex-bourbon casks, uh, which means the casks have not imparted a lot of color to the malt. So it is very light in color. Uh, It is non-age statement, so we do not know how old any of the components of this whiskey are. Um, but the nose on it is, as they say, very light and very fruity. I did not get some of their notes, but what I did get was vanilla, pineapple, very distinctly, and also unripe banana. If you've ever smelt a green banana, you know what that smells like. Um, and lemon. And so it's, it is a very light and fruity dram. And you actually have to dive your nose right into the glass to get that. You can't, it doesn't like sort of come out at you yeah, yeah as you were saying like doing lines of scotch right now yeah, yeah. Like, little stuff uh, i don't know yeah. if i can smell it <laughs> yeah you do have to get down in it to smell it it's pretty light just uh, don't drown yourself yeah don't do that yeah. don't actually inhale the actual liquid that's a problem yeah this is not something you snort <laughs> uh the taste of it is pretty similar to the nose it, there's not a lot of complexity here but it's actually sort of a light refreshing scotch tram so if you're not looking for something heavy or complex or that you have to think about or analyze uh you can do a lot worse than this 
Um, the notes of vanilla and lemon are there for sure. There's a hint of a straw or grassy essence to it. And there's also in the taste, a bit of peppery finish, which is nice. Um, it kind of actually feels like it's amping up the sugary flavors by kind of opening up your taste buds a little bit, because you know, how when you get a peppery or a hot essence or a salty essence, it kind of enhances flavors and you kind of feels like it's doing that when you're drinking it. Um, and then when you're done tasting it, what's left over is a little bit of a, an oaky barrel note sweetness and a tiny hint of pepper. So it starts off really sweet. It finishes a little oaky and peppery. So it's not super complex, but it's interesting. And for the price point, it could easily be like a daily sipper or something something you just pull off the shelf because you know you're not throwing a lot of money down on it and it's certainly not detestable i mean it's it's not a bad dram for 20 bucks i'm gonna give it a rating 84 because it's not a really really good whiskey but it's an inexpensive whiskey and it's you know it's a good drink especially if you're looking for something that's on the desserty fruity side that you don't really have to sit and contemplate you just sip and enjoy and you know get a buzz <laughs> so there you go <laughs> uh so if you want something cheap try tomaton legacy or Goalkis, whichever one you know happens to be the label on the bottle that you buy and bill has an ipa amazing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, I told you about this thing I was at, right? I told you about the TensorFlow meetup. Well, yes, I bought a bunch did. of beer, and <laughs> one of the beers I bought was a pack from Costco because I was, you know, Costco poor, uh, looking at what they had. And I was like, oh, I'll just get to, you know, whatever they have in cases. That way, there's plenty of beer. And well, this was a, a multi-pack from uh, Stone Brewing, and it's, it's available all over uh, all over the place, I guess. And this is the... Uh, Came with three or four different varieties, and the one I have left here on my desk right now is the Stone IPA, which is the their iconic West Coast style IPA, and it's a six point nine percent ABV. It has seventy one IBUs, so it's um tasty. bitter. Mm. <laughs> ah, no, it's very refreshing. It's uh, very good. It's um I, I don't I don't know. It doesn't taste bitter to me, but um. But then I got three other ones before this one. So, you know, it's good. <laughs> yeah, the drink by date is 116 and I yeah, I've accepted that as a challenge. So, uh <laughs> I have a few left over. But anyway, from the brewer, uh they have by definition an IPA is a hoppier and higher in alcohol than its little brother pale ale and we deliver in spades. One of the most well-respected and best-selling IPAs in the country, this Golden Beauty explodes with tropical citrusy piney hop flavors and aromas. All perfectly balanced by a subtle subtle malt character. This crisp extra hoppy brew is huge Hugely refreshing on a hot day, but will always deliver no matter when you choose to drink it. And uh, to tell you the truth, I mean, this is the first time I've ever had Stone Brewing. And I've had all four of the ones that were in the pack already. Uh, and they're they're all really good. I'm pretty impressed. So, <laughs> so I don't think you can go wrong. If you're an IPA fan, there's not a bad one in the box. And apparently they're going bad soon. Get over to Costco real quick and buy them all off the shelf and drink them all. No, just kidding. By, by the 16th. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by the 16th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they'll be on really like on sale soon, I'm assuming. Uh, <laughs> on the ones that they got drop shipped here to Montana. All right. Very good. Well, I think 
with that, we're down to the end of the episode. So we should probably mention the folks who were with us in the chat room tonight. And who were those people? We had Ted, WA0EIR. We had Don, KB2YSI, Logan, KE0HSV, and Darren, VK6EK, all the way down in Australia. That's awesome. And down under. Down under. Yep. So thanks to everybody who listened to us live and was chatting about stuff in the chat room while we were talking about things and stuff. And thanks to everybody who listens to us after the fact. We hope you have a great couple of weeks and maybe can enjoy some of the open source and amateur radio special events and contests that we have talked about and maybe have a dram or two in our honor. We'll certainly toast you over the next couple of weeks, (laughs) but we will be doing episode number 322 on Monday, and that will be a deep dive episode. We're not sure what it's going to be yet, but it'll be an interesting topic, I'm sure. And in the meantime, hope everyone has a great week. So with that, we'll get on out of here. I'm Russ, K5TUX, for a wait, wait, this episode, 321 of Links in the Ham Shack. And I'm Cheryl, W5MO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD, 73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freeload network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamper. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.
Linux in the Hamshack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.